Hi, friends, and welcome to Jay Sam's World. Here's where we get down with real talk in a safe space to encourage brave conversations. I am Jay Sam, your host. I'm Michelle, your co-host. And I'm Nikki. And we would like to welcome you to this fabulous podcast episode called The Introduction of Miss Nikki. to have you once again here um, at J. Sam's World. Um, you believe in our mission, and I just thought it would be so interesting to talk to you because of who you are, what you do, and your belief system. You are a mixed African-American woman who gets to see two sides of the world. You know, you get, you get to see the multitude of things. And it's going to be so interesting to talk to you because we want to know who you are, especially since the things that are going on in the world today. Thank you. Well, thank you um, for having me on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Um, and yeah, so my name is Nikki and I am 22 years old. And um, as you mentioned, I am Black and Cambodian. Growing up, I really thought about my racial identity a lot. Um, As I'm getting older, I'm thinking about, you know, um, other identities that I hold to race, um, class and gender, but I'm really constantly just pushing myself to critically think about those identities. Um, I recently graduated. Um, Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. Um, I graduated with a major in elementary education and a double minor in Spanish and Africana studies. Talk about, wow, ambitious. We love it. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about kind of your experience? I guess you probably that uh, family dynamic was really anti-black and would impose anti-blackness on their kids, right? They weren't really teaching their black kids how to love themselves. So that's something that she was super intentional um, about growing up. Mm. Um, She made sure that me and my siblings, um, one knew about um, black history, our culture and to love ourselves. Um, I actually feel like it wasn't until recently that I learned uh, within like the past, I'd say three to five years that I've really learned more about Cambodian or Khmer culture. Um, As my mother is going through that journey herself, I've kind of been along and joining that journey with her did that you know because it seems like when I talk sometimes to other people it, it's a much different experience at times mm-hmm. um when you said she taught you like to make sure that she you understood about black history was it the black history that they taught in schools from that perspective or the black history of from her experience uh she made us do research <laughs> we would do like uh, <laughs> oh my gosh yeah we would have to look up like a black inventor or oh that's so um, cool Yeah, someone um, within the Black community throughout history that basically contributed to society. And then we um, would do like a little Mm -hmm. presentation because it was important for her um, to make sure that we knew that Black people have done so much um, within our community, yet get little recognition for that. Mm. Come on, girl. Come on. And and it's funny, I mean, because when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I don't want to (laughs) do. Right. But looking back, I I do understand like how important that was. I think that's different than, you know, just her expecting the school system to do that for you. And I think that you're probably better off for that. 
because one, because you had to go and do that research on your own instead of going based on kind of what somebody has already pre-established for you to know that you retain that information. Secondly, you probably found out about a lot of other um, influential b- black people than you would have just relying on the school system. It's just It was so funny growing up with my parents and them just being blunt when I would come back home and be like, I learned this. Like, I remember so vividly, either it had to be like fourth grade, I believe, um, that we were learning about Christopher Columbus. And when I went Mm -hmm. home and was talking about him to my parents, my parents were like, oh, no, he killed all the indigenous people. He was so mean. Like, they were so (laughs) nice to him. And he said that. I went back to school like, why did you lie to me? <laughs> so, um, you know, and sometimes that would cause problems in, um, within class. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I would rather know the truth. I, I have always been like this growing up, I think, because my parents instilled this in me. But I would rather know the truth, no matter how bad it is, as opposed to be ignorant. And you know, yes, and- girl. Yes. Well, my hat's off is to your mommy. And yes. I think that's so important because we often, you know, the schools, when they teach black history, they teach about Dr. King. I love me some Dr. King. I, I said this in another interview. I love me some Dr. King. But he's not the only one that did changes. He's probably one of the ones that died for the changes. Malcolm X died, mm-hmm. but people got a different perspective about Malcolm X. You know, who? There, there's a black woman who invented the curling iron and the, the grease for the curling iron. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, there's so many different African-American people out there who have done so many positive things. And the fact that your family wanted you to recognize those people is awesome to me. Um, I remember like specifically too, throughout middle school and high school, like um, they were really, um, you know, blunt to about recognizing um, Malcolm X. They were, they, they really liked a lot of the militant leaders. Um, <laughs> and, uh, okay. or, very much like, hey, like, this is what's wrong with the system. Right. It's so funny, because these these conversations in my mind, since they were happening, you know, since I was a kid, just seemed very normal. So by the time when I was in high school, you know, and I'm just like, what do you mean? You, you don't understand how racism still exists today, you know, to people <laughs> in high school, it was, it was a predominantly white high school. I was I was really stressed. But, but, um, so let me, well, so let me ask you this question, though, Uh, speaking of a middle school and high school, and did you, I, which, which side of your culture did you identify more with? Mm. I honestly think growing up, I, uh, I feel like it was both, you know, I, I, it's, this is the most I can kind of like explain it. I I heard someone else explain that this way, and I just resonated with it so much, but um, I know that when I was in this, I think I was in this, uh, I was in this group. It was SOAR, SOAR from Evanston, actually. My high school mm-hmm. went to um, a SOAR conference. Mm-hmm. And within that conference, we broke into um, affinity groups. And mm-hmm. I had gone to the biracial um, and multiracial affinity groups. So I was speaking with other students and teachers who were also mm-hmm. um, multiracial, right? Mm-hmm. And one teacher said that, when she was growing up, what her mom would say is that, you know, you take, you know, strawberry, let's say, and um, vanilla ice cream, and you blend them together. At that point, you can't separate them. You are both simultaneously at the same time. And that's kind of how I felt. It, it never mm-hmm. really felt like, um, you know, 
this part or that part. It just felt like a blend um, personally for me. Mm. And I know that's not necessarily the experience for everyone, but that's how it felt kind of growing up. It just, it feels so mixed in so together. Um, And I think that um, too, specifically with, um, you know, the culture that I have specifically on my Asian side, uh, my mom and her family were refugees, right? They had to flee from a genocide that happened in Cambodia. Um, wow. And it was a direct Gosh. impact, honestly, from the states, actually, and the states infiltrating um, Vietnam. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting recognizing how the, um, you know, how the United States has not only disenfranchised, you know, um, my mom and, and making her become a refugee, but also my dad. So I feel like the, the fact that I'm even born is a miracle, you know, like the fact that mm-hmm. black people you know, are have still alive from slavery and the fact that my mom was able to make it out of a genocide like I think about that a lot I'm like it's it's a miracle that I'm even alive so yeah girl thinking about that that that's crazy that's a lot to unpack there you know Um, especially being that not only are you alive but you reside and you know you were born in the states and this is Mm -hmm. the you know the society that you have been made a part of and there is still so much, uh, you know, change that still needs to take place. Yeah. To make sure that we're not continuously disenfranchising these groups. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you said that, you know, you, you with your experience with the chocolate and vanilla swirling together, that is maybe how you felt. But how do you think your friends viewed you? Did they, did you ever feel like you had to pick one side or the other? Did you ever feel like, you know, one side looked at you as, oh, she has a good hair or, oh, she has a pretty skin. Um, did you have to go through any of that or you just like tuned it out and just did Nikki and just didn't even notice it, even though it was probably prominent? Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's so funny. Cause like when I, when I hear, usually when I talk to, to other like, friends that I have who are also biracial like a lot of times they um from their experience you know they they have had hard experiences with people in the black community but it's actually been people from the white community that have um kind of stressed me out about my identity a little more I feel like when um I you know was when I talk to people within the black community I feel like the most that would happen is fetishization right and to me that was more so sad because yeah people would say you have the good hair you have like the good skin and I think that's just a direct impact of, you know, um, this system making Black people hate their Blackness, right? Mm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying, like, going forward to be um, very conscientious of what it means to be light-skinned um, and the privilege that, hold, that holds as it is closer in proximity to whiteness. And so mm-hmm. I want to, like, make sure that I put out there that Blackness is beautiful. Blackness is important. And it's never ugly, you know? And so. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, some, we do, I'm sorry, but we do that to ourselves sometimes. We, I mean, we colorism is a thing. It, it is a thing. Colorism is a thing. And mm-hmm. it's so ingrained into our society. And I feel like a large part of the Black community doesn't even realize half the time that, they're, that that's what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I do, I recognize that colorism is like in my from my perspective it's a result of systemic racism yeah it so is. it's you're getting it you're getting it from multiple from multiple sides including from the inside out 
Yes. And I mean, and, it, and it's hard, I mean, to be honest, because like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily that, you know, sometimes black people are doing it to themselves. It's just hard when I've noticed that if I'm with someone who's darker skin and I'm getting more attention or more compliments and they're not, you know, or I'm being listened to and my voice is being uplifted more than theirs is, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like when that's constantly happening. And, and honestly, like I, I understood what co- colorism was before I actually realized and experienced it happening to my darker friends. So when I saw it explicitly happening to my darker friends, the way I was being treated differently in some of the most smallest and biggest ways, it's just, it really, it was something I definitely had to unpack. Cause I was like, how can I make sure that in certain spaces, I'm not centering myself. Well, white people have to understand how to not center themselves and how mm-hmm. to amplify black voices. It's the same way. Like I need to make, I'm trying you know, to make sure that I'm not necessarily centering myself and that I'm amplifying, you know, um, black people who have dark skin because they're easily ignored and pushed to the side. Well, my perspective and the way I look at it is think about it like this. We do do it to ourselves because we compare ourselves to you, even though you are half black and you do have beautiful skin. And I mean, guys, if you've never seen Nikki, she's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. There's no doubt about it. However, I love my little short black hair and I love who I am. And I think I'm a beautiful person. My black is beautiful. Michelle's black is beautiful, you know, but I'm not comparing myself to Nikki. We compare ourselves now. Don't get me wrong. We have these girls out here with these hair weaves on down to the back of their bottoms. It's so luxurious and long and flowing. I get that sometimes we want to have a different look and we love to look different. Okay. I get that. Even white women are starting to wear wigs now and that's okay. But when you make it the source, when you make it the source of your identity, we are doing it to ourselves because what we're saying to ourselves is we don't like who we are. It's okay to wear a wig. It's okay to wear eyelashes. Heck, I need to start wearing them because my eyelashes are getting thinner as I got older. You know, it's okay to do those things. I'm not saying it, but when you make it the source of your identity, which means you do it every single day, day in and day out, we don't know who you are. We can't appreciate your blackness. We can't appreciate your hair, whatever style it can be kinky, short, it can be long, it can be whatever. We can't appreciate that. Why? Because you have camouflaged yourself in all these other things that does not represent who you are. So we do do it to, to ourselves. We may not look at it like that, but we I do. That, I think that's a way to respond to also though the trauma, you know, that, yeah. that darker people have to face. Yes. I wouldn't say, yeah, like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily wrong. I just say it's like, you know, a reaction. Cause like, I don't know one thing like Toni Morrison and the bluest eye um, is, is, wow. Like I I have not finished that book yet. It's, it's a lot to unpack, but just hearing about one of the main characters, um, Piccola, like just hearing, wow, just on a daily basis, like a lot of the shit she has to put up with that. I never really have to put up with it's just you know and it goes from it's not just like oh someone telling you you look ugly but the abuse the sexual assaults you know tony morrison's what's the name of the book the bluest eye i highly recommend it i have my partner reading it (laughs) um right now and it's such a great book i recommend everyone read it and you've read it before yeah i'm halfway through it's a lot to unpack like it's a lot to unpack and i think it really uh really goes to show specifically the aspects of colorism and mm. 
just the harm that, you know, a lot of darker skinned people have faced. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do, because this is so important. When, whenever you recognize, um, you know, recommend something, I really want us to do it. And I really want us to come back to it and really talk about the book. That'd be really That'd good. Be, so text us, text Michelle and I, the name of the book, and we'll read the book. And maybe in a month and a half, we come back or sooner than a month, however fast we get through this book, because if it's phenomenal, I'm going to want to jump on this right away. I'm going to yeah, want to jump on this right away. Yeah. So text us the book so that we can read it and then we can come back and have a book discussion about it. The Bluest Eye. The okay. Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, because this would be an amazing discussion to have. So um, thank you. Well, I do have a question too, actually for you. Yeah. Like what? So yes, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, guys. So if you want to get down with us and read this book. I see you on Instagram, of course, you know, like you carry the black feminist um, title. So kind of what led you there? And, you know, what, what is it that you're wanting to raise awareness to, you know, like your future goals? Oh, thank you. Thank you. So as of right now, and I think this is the, oh, wow, the perfect time because of COVID is that I'm really trying to understand where I want to go in life. And I realized that mm -hmm. I can't see myself necessarily doing one thing for the rest of my life I see myself doing multiple things and so one thing well you're more than welcome to come and join us on our journey <laughs> right you know give us some of your time I mean we'd love to have you since you know you're trying to figure it all out we could really use you <laughs> thank you thank you so much thank you but yeah so right right as of now I'm taking some additional courses because something that I'm kind of wondering if I want to do um but I know that I'm passionate about it's just a more of a hmm, well this is a commitment let me think about it is mm. going into speech and language pathology so mm -hmm. at some point I would like to possibly go into um, speech and language pathology but as mm -hmm. of right now before I go to grad school I'm taking a gap year um, because I really want to learn how mm -hmm. to farm actually and it's important uh, personally for me to want to learn how to grow my own food and one day all black people um, are impacted by environmental racism on mm -hmm. low income um, communities that are predominantly black and brown you know there's food deserts there which means that there's a whole bunch of fast food restaurants but there's no grocery stores mm -hmm. I can find a grocery store mm -hmm. and so to be able to like grow your own food and not also rely on these corporations who are exploiting, you know, um, mm -hmm. people working in the fields that are most likely like black and brown, um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like is important. So I really want to learn how to do that. And I've been in mm -hmm. connection with some people who do own a farm and hoping to do that by this. Oh, that's summer. so cool. That is yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. That is so awesome. I Thanks. love that. I mean, Michelle and I just met an agriculturist over in Africa and um, he is, you know, he reached out to us um, and asked us for some support. And unfortunately, because of the guidelines of our government, you can't just sponsor or just start working with somebody that's in a different country. It just doesn't work that way. It's very difficult. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to um, really like do what we love to do. But he, they're doing the same thing over there. They're, you know, because that's their way of life. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know, at least they're teaching their this group is teaching their community how to grow their own food and how to, you know, harvest it and take care of it so that they can survive because they don't have, I mean, they have grocery stores, but in the smaller villages is different. Mm 
You know, it's not the same. It's it's much different. There, this group is not in the um, the idolized areas of Africa, like South Africa, where everything is modernized and things. Like that. These are in the little bitty tiny villages where kids still have like 56 kids in one classroom. You know, um, it's in that kind of rural area. So I think that's such a great idea. And we as Americans are so spoiled, as African-Americans are so spoiled because we can just walk into a grocery store and pick out our tomatoes and so on. But I'm really into going to like the farmer's market and supporting the farmers. And, um, you know, when when I can and when I remember, you know, it's, it's about not being lazy and getting up on the Saturday morning. And going to the farmer's market and supporting the farmer's market. I would love to see black farmers out there, but guess what? There are none. There that are bothers some, me. but that's a whole nother. There are none. I see you only see. Conversation. There are some, yeah, there are. again, it comes to not having the same support. And, you know, it's yes. already hard for farmers in general, but it's yeah. that much harder for black it is yeah. so but I, I love it I, <laughs> I know but I love that you that that's what you want to do for yourself and for your community to get back and to support them in that area that's awesome that's thank awesome. you and just to also I, I I also know Michelle you're asking about my name so I'm gonna explain the the name real quick yes so one of my favorite um books um by Patrice Collins um is Black Feminist Thought and so my name is spelled Black Feminist Thought but it's T-H-O-T. So there's a play on words. So not only is it Black Feminist Thought, which is a theory created by um, uh, Patri- uh, Patrice Collins, but also um, it's a reclamation of like basically sexuality within Black women, because I think that image is constantly taken away from um, Black women and Black women's bodies have been controlled throughout the years. So. Yeah. That's like my play on words with my, my name. I mean, if you want to give out your your handle, you can. That's up to you. Um, so people can really understand what you're about. That's completely up to you. So if you want to go ahead and give, give out your handle, let people know who you are and where you are. Thank you. So yeah, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Black Feminist Thought. Um, the thought is T-H-O-T. Um, and yeah, if you ever have any questions, feel free to message me. Thank you. you know. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so very much. Please follow us at Springer's Training Solution um, LLC on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, We are always bringing fabulous, fabulous people around. And I'm looking forward to reading this book by Toni Morrison. I'm so so looking forward to it. Well, Nikki, thank you for joining Michelle and I, as always. Again, feel free to like, you know, you want to, you know, become a part of our team. You know, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We'd love to have you. Just just a shameless plug there. Um, Well, friends, our time has come to an end here at JSIM's World. Here's where we get down with real talk in a safe space to encourage brave conversations. I am JSIM, your host, and I'm here with Michelle, my co-host, and Nikki, my co-co-host. And we like to say to you, we'll see you next time on our next podcast. Until then, be kind to one another, stay amazing, and stay woke. Take care.